We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Have you guys ever heard of the saying, um, common sense is not so common? You guys have heard of that saying, common sense is not so common, because there are people who do some crazy things, and you're wondering what in God's name possessed you to think about doing that. Or maybe they do something so dumb where you're just looking at like, how is it that you are allowed to continue to exist in society? That's a little harsh, but it's true. Don't, don't act like I'm, not the, I'm the only one who's seen that. You know, I saw this video uh, of this individual who was trying to uh, get gas. And so uh, their gas tank was on their right side, but they pulled in on the left side. And so they went and they got out the car, looked and like, oh, darn, let me flip the car around. They went and they drove around to the other side. And guess what? They were still on the other side. So they jump out the car and they look and they're just like, Oh man, let me do let me try this again. And they drive around. They did this about three, four times, and I'm sitting there thinking, in God, who are you? You know, there's another one where uh there's this individual and uh, I guess he's trying to fill up a gas tank, and this th- this smart human being has a cigarette right by the gas can, and they're about to put gas, and I'm just like, I can't even watch this because I, I, I just can't. People do some really, really crazy things, and we've all witnessed, or maybe we're one of those individuals who've tried to fill up a, 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 a basket, closed basket with holes, trying to fill it up with water. True. Somebody has tried to do that. There's evidence. I'm wondering why it wasn't filling up. But people do some crazy things. Now, here goes the worst part, though. The worst part is when you teach somebody a better way, but they constantly revert to doing it the hard way or the way that just doesn't work. And you ever had that friend that comes to you for advice and you give them the advice, and then they go back and do exactly opposite of what you just told them? And you're just like, why, why, why'd I even bother? Like, what, what was the point of all of that? The worst part is trying to help somebody and show somebody a better way, but they insist on doing it their own way. And if I can be honest, I see this as the state of much of Western Christianity. I see this as, uh, as much of the state of Western Christianity. And if I can go a little deep further into this, I believe that sometimes this is the plight or this is the problem with many Christians. It's quiet. Everybody's like, oh boy, what is he getting to? No, I, I believe that God, through the gospel, has revealed an incredible way and an incredible plan for his church, but oftentimes we insist on doing things our own way. And so that's what we came to talk about this morning. So if you have a Bible, 
Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 is where we're going to be in. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip your hand up. House crew's got some Bibles that they want to hand to you. They want you to follow along. We want you to follow along because we believe that um, if you read God's Word, one, you'll know that we're telling the truth because you're reading the same thing we're reading. And the second thing is that God's Word is transformative. So if we read it for ourselves, it can begin to make an impact and a difference in our own lives as well, too. So it's page 568, I believe, in the Bibles that you're receiving from House Crew. And what we're doing is we're actually kicking back, for those who've been around Relevant for a while, we're kicking back to a series called Chosen that we started uh, last fall. We took a little break over the Christmas uh, and over the New Year to do a couple other series. But we're going back into what's called the ex- expositional teaching over the book of Ephesians. What we love here at Relevant Church is we believe that God's word is true and we believe that God word, God's word has a lot of awesome content. And so we love to learn about God's word. And some of the best ways to learn it is just taking a book of the Bible and just saying, let's find out who wrote it. Let's find out what was going on. Let's find out how it's relevant to our lives today. So that's what we're doing through the book of Ephesians under this theme, Chosen, Experiencing the Unexpected. See, this book, just to give you a little background, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, it was written by a guy named Paul. This dude was named Saul to begin with. He hated Christians. He wanted to murder all Christians. He wanted to imprison all Christians. And, you know, we've said it many times. We believe like he was the Osama bin Laden of the early century. He really wanted to wipe out anything to do with Christianity. And then in the process, God met him on the way to go persecute more Christians. In fact, he was riding on a, uh, on a horse or a donkey Uh, I can't remember exactly what that was, but he got kicked off of it. He fell off of his high horse. Pastor joke, laugh. Um, He fell off of his high horse and God humbled him and said, listen, I need you to go from me. You've been going against me for so long. I need you to go from me. And how many in here are glad that God stopped you in your tracks? You were going for yourself. You were going for everything else. And God, in his grace and his love for you, says, I don't want you to hurt yourself anymore. God told Paul, why are you kicking against sharp things? Because you're going to get hurt. So I want you to turn your life around. I want you to go for me now. And so he starts going for God. He starts preaching the gospel, starts telling people about Jesus. And he's traveling from city to city. And he goes to the city called Ephesus. And he plants a church there just much as like we've planted relevant church here in Niles, Michigan. He plants his church. He's about 53 years old. And everything is going good. People are growing in, in their faith. And it's, it's the city all around him is steeped in just pagan and, and occult cult and all of this mess is all around him, but this church is beginning to thrive. And then 10 years later, he's in a prison cell writing to this very same church. He's in a prison cell because there are other people who aren't happy with the teaching that he's teaching. So in the first section of this uh, book, we learn about the unexpected gift of God's love, how God has stopped us in our tracks and has turned our hearts around and that we've gotten his grace and now we can be saved. Through Jesus Christ, we find ourselves with a new life, a new experience, a new hope. In the second section, we talked about the unexpected gift of the new identity. Now, it is no longer Muta, the black guy who happens to be a Christian. I am now Muta, 
the Christian, the redeemed, the child of God, who also just kind of happens to be black. So our whole life now has begun to shape a new identity, and God is drawing people who are far from each other and bringing them together in this new family. And in this section, we're talking about the mystery that's revealed. In fact, the name of this message is called Secrets Out. There's a mystery that was hidden for the ages, and now the mystery has been revealed. And spoiler alert, it's about God reconciling man back to himself because we were separated from him through sin and through all of our, all our mess. And also now he's not only reunited us with himself, but God has united men from every kindred, tribe, and tongue as one man. When he sees us now, he just doesn't see Christina, the amazing ginger. He says, Christine, Christina, and he sees Demon, and he's like, that's my child. Those are my children. And I see y'all twinning back there with those Colts jerseys. Look at y'all. Huh? The old and the new Colts. All right. Awesome. Jersey Sunday. Love it. See? Bringing people together under the gospel of football. Why is this important for us to know? Why is this important to go through this, this understand this, this unity between man and God and the, between man and each other? Uh, why is it important to understand about the reconciling of these races becoming into one man? Because I would place before you that we live in a society that is still divided. Why is this relevant to us? We still live in a society where it's us versus them. Those people. Them. Over there. We over here. Uh, Why is it important for a church uh, like us to go through this? If we look around, we just talked about, we celebrated how God has brought the United Nations together. We got Americans, we got West Indians, we got Canadians, we got Africans, we got uh, Brazilians all together. And you can look around and say, but uh, pastor, our church is good, right? We're we're unified. We are one. You know why? Because vision leaks. If we're not too careful, the homogeneous principle starts to apply. And then it's just like, man, there's too many of them. And if we're not reminded that we're one, all of a sudden, the environment begins to shift. And what was nice, an amazing melting pot of God's glory becomes a place that's like people who are economically the same. People who are culturally the same. That's what, did you guys like the little flavor they put in Osing? People who are racially the same. Because honestly, humanity reverts to what's familiar and what is most comfortable. We, I don't want to take up too much time, but we, we, we've seen this happen even here at Relevant Church. It's so much so that we became so intentional of making sure that when we sit in a group, everybody is sitting in a way that we are all mixed up. Remember, Derek, when we first started planting the church, whenever we'd have vision meetings or whenever we'd have team gatherings, it would be all the brown-skinned people would sit on this side and all the light-skinned people would sit on that side. Every time it happened, without fail. Like, if me and Derek look at each other, we're like, we're not going to say anything. 
Let's just see what happens. Everybody walks in, everybody, hey, what's going on? Boom, division. Humanity goes to what's familiar. Humanity goes to what's comfortable. Uh, the marketing team had a, had a meeting last week, and I was on a video conference because I was just sick and dying with the flu, and they videoed me in upstairs. And just like that, all the brown-skinned people were on one side, and all the light-skinned people were on one side, except for one other brown-skinned person, but that person was married, so familiar, comfortable. Guys, this is important because our psyche, our society is, has built it in our hearts and our minds to constantly go to what's familiar and what's comfortable, and the gospel is not comfortable. The gospel is about God sending his son into a place of people that didn't like him, that didn't know him, that didn't want him, and placing him there and loving the individuals and being for the individuals and dying for the individuals and sacrificing and him calling us to do the exact same thing. So let's jump into the text. We've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to try to go through it fast. So Paul now is writing to the Ephesians. We've gone through chapter 1 and chapter 2. They're online. would love for you to go check them out to catch up if you want to see what we've been talking about. So he begins, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. For this reason... For this reason, he's just been talking about the unity that God has provided between those who are once hostile against each other. People who were racially divided. The Jews who were God's chosen people, according to the entire Old Testament, and the Gentiles, everybody who wasn't under the same racial identity and cultural identity. And he just told them, hey, remember how you guys hated each other? God has made you one. He doesn't see you as separate people. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, it is no longer me versus you, us versus them. It is all one people. And so he says, for this reason, for this reason, I, a prisoner, and he's a prisoner for teaching that thing. He's a prisoner because he is going against culture, cultural norms of saying, hey, you know what? It's okay. The homogeneous principle, you know what? It's better if we're over here and they're over there. Let's just be separate but equal. He's coming against that teaching. So what he's doing now is coming against culture and they've imprisoned him and they're saying, you know what? We don't like that. Uh, you know, let us be Jewish over here. Hey, we'll become Christians, but those Gentiles, remember, they're, they're dogs. Literally, they thought the Gentiles, anybody who wasn't part of the little religious sect, were dogs. And even the Jewish Christians who came into faith of Jesus Christ, they still was like, you know, we're, we're believers, and I understand what's happening over there. That's all good and great, but we don't need them to infiltrate our space here. Why can't they be saved there? And here's the deal, point number one, if you're following along in your teaching sheets, which I hope you are, because we got regroup and we're going to talk about this. 
this week. Point number one, a gospel-centered worldview. A gospel meaning looking at what Jesus did on the cross that united God and man, that united man and man. That says we're one. That says uh, nothing separates us. Race, color, creed does not matter. We lead with the identity of our faith in Jesus, our family of God. A gospel-centered worldview will always expose the false doctrine of superiority. A gospel-centered worldview will expose the false doctrine of superiority. See, this is the thing about it is. Uh, Paul was a Jew, and then when he became a Christian, when God gathered him to himself, he said, listen, I need you to go preach to the Gentiles. I need you to go minister to the people across the river, across the tracks. I need you to go show my love and go let them know that I love them, that I want them to be a part of the family as well, too. And in that moment, the Jewish people thought Paul was a traitor. Why are you going to go spend your time up there teaching them? Why can't you just teach over here? And so Paul, he's ministering to this. In fact, the first church that he was discipled in, meaning he was trained in ministry in, was a mixed-race, racially diverse church in Antioch, where they were first called Christians because they were together. They were one. He goes, and he's planting all these churches, and he goes to the Gentile people and says, hey, there's some Jewish uh, Christians uh, back in Jerusalem. They're, they're, they're people who are sick. They're dying. We need to take up an offering. They're poor. They don't have. And so the Gentile churches were like, heck, yeah, man, we're going to raise up some money. Isn't that crazy how the least people you expect to do anything are the ones who jump at it the first, and then the ones who you expect to do everything else are the ones looking at everybody else like, why can't they pull themselves by their bootstraps? So he goes to the Gentile church and he gathers this money and he comes into Jerusalem and he comes and gives the churches. And isn't it funny that all of the Jerusalem churches, all the Jewish Christians are like, oh, yeah, we'll receive that money. And then they hear that Paul took one of the Gentiles into the temple and they begin to riot. We can accept their money, but we're definitely not going to want them in our space. So they begin to riot, and Paul gets arrested. This is why Paul gets arrested, because he's causing all this ruckus. And they give him an opportunity to give a defense and to tell his testimony. And he starts testifying about Jesus, and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You know, Jesus did come. He did die. He freed us from some of these old Jewish laws. Yes. And then he goes, and now the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. And they're like, what? And they begin to riot again. gospel-centered worldview will always expose the false doctrine of superiority. But Paul knew where God was calling him. He said, I've been given this stewardship. In fact, uh, Acts 9.15, he says this, but the Lord said to me, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This is Ananias, the guy uh, who uh, was supposed to go and get Paul and supposed to raise him up. He was a Jewish Christian, and he says, uh, God told me that Paul's got a mission to go talk to the Jews, I mean to the Gentiles, the people who are not like us. Uh, so, God, uh, so Paul says in, in verse 2, uh, he's given me a stewardship. 
or a dispensation, as other translation would give it. And this comes from two Greek words, oikos, meaning house, and nomos, meaning law. That's where we get the word economy. It's derived from this Greek word called oikonomia. And what it, it literally means, it says, the law of the house. God has given me the law of the house. He's given me a management, a new management. We love uh, the word new around here, around Relevant Church, because all of our wristbands say uh, what God called us here for. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Paul's like, God has given me a new stewardship, a new management, a new law of the house, because God has different ways of managing his house in different periods of time. All the Bible scholars here will know that back in the Old Testament, God managed it by the law. There were these laws that you had to follow. And then it moved into the times of prophecy where he spoke through these men and they came and they they talked to you and they told you what God said. And if you needed to know what God said, uh, uh, you went to God, uh, to God's uh, uh, pastor and priest and you talked to him. And he's like, "Okay, that was that time. But now he's given us Jesus Christ. He's given us the gospel. He's given us a new stewardship. God's principles don't change. God had always wanted to save the Gentiles from the beginning of time. He was just going about it in different ways, in different phases. Verse 4 through 6. When you read this, this is Paul speaking, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, exactly what we've just talked about. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles, meaning those who walked with Jesus, those who were close to Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus, and his prophets, those who now are stewarding the word of God, stewarding what Jesus told them to teach by the Spirit. Here's the mystery. Verse 6. Somebody says, what's the mystery? This is the mystery. The Gentiles are chosen. The Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He said, listen, here's the mystery, y'all. Christ's birth, death, burial, and resurrection was so much better than we're saved now. I've got Jesus. It was so much more profound and so much more deep. He's telling them, listen, it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament, but now it's been revealed in, in Jesus Christ. He says the Old Testament talked about Jesus coming. Now the New Testament is teaching us what Jesus came to show us, what he came to reveal to us. I love what my old Bible professor used to say. He says the Old Testament is the Bible concealed. The New Testament is the Bible revealed. There's a new purpose. Gentiles, people who are far from God, people who aren't sitting in this church right now, the people who we feel are too far to be redeemed. Redeemed means saved and and cleaned up and brought into the family of God. Those drug dealers down the street, the prostitutes around the corner, the junkie down the block. The homeless guys we see panhandling up and down Main Street. 
they're now able to be fellow heirs to the promise. They're no better than you. We are no better than them. They had the same access. In fact, this promise that he's talking about, I, 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 have to read, I have to read it to you guys so you guys get the context and why this is so important. Because the, Jew, the Jewish tradition uh, believed because God had called their ancestor Abraham and given him a specific covenant, it made them super special. So Genesis 17, we have this on the screen, I believe. It says, when Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on the face, on his face, and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Not you'll be a, a, a father of your nation, not be a father of a certain nation. He says a multitude of nations. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to come out of you. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. He says it again. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after, uh, uh, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting co- covenant to be the God to you and to your offspring after you. God gives us major promise. The Jews are like, this is great. This is all about us. But they forgot to read that multitude of nations portion. And Jesus comes and he says, listen, I I am dying for the sins of the world. All who call upon me shall be saved. Paul is saying because of Jesus Christ, now everyone has access to God. And point number two, read this. In Jesus, our racial, cultural, or political distinctions are neither an asset nor a liability. Man, I want to just go deep on that one, but I'm just going to stop myself. I'm just going to go to the quote after this. Listen to this quote. Our human birth determines our racial or fill-in-the-blank distinctions. But our spiritual birth, when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and call on him as Lord and Savior of our lives, our spiritual birth unites us as members of the same body. No one is barred from position or function. You're chosen too. Notice how I said you're chosen too. Because you want to hear something funny? (laughs) You're actually a Gentile. Unless you're a Jew, like from blood. If you're not, you're a Gentile. Me and you and Gentiles. And God has called us and unified into this amazing promise that he gave Abraham so many years ago. And now we can go for God. And we can have access to every single promise. The Bible says all of our, uh, all of our requests are amen, are yes in Christ Jesus. 
We have access to the throne room of the God who created heaven and earth. Verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And not only do I have a new relationship now, now I've got power. I've got God's power working inside of me. I can overcome the hate and the prejudice that's inside of me. That's what Paul's saying because he did. He had hate. He had prejudice. He didn't like those people. In fact, he wanted to get rid of those people. Now I can overcome the hate. And then not only that, I can overcome the hardship that comes from loving people. Because isn't it funny when we want to show love to people, how the truth about certain people comes out? Well, I love everybody until it's time to love them. Love across boundaries. That's what we say around relevant, right? Verse 8 through 10, he says, to me, to me, talking about Paul, to me, and I, I love this because I can attribute this to myself, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might know, excuse me, might, know be made, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He says, I'm the least of, listen, I'm the least of the saints. And here, here I, I love this because this is, this is Paul, one of the great, if not the most prolific writer in the Bible. The person that we always go back to and tout is like, man, these, uh, these writings that he did are so profound. They're so amazing. They're, they, they help us live our lives every, th- every single day. He's calling himself the least of these. Here goes a nugget here for all of us who are learning the Bible and, 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 and when, as we become Christians and as we grow deeper in our faith. Understanding the depths of God's word will make us humble. I remember a quick story. A buddy of mine was called to ministry. He was in seminary. He had a really awesome career. I mean, this dude was doing it. This dude was amazing. He was working for some NGO in D.C., making buku money, traveling all over the world. Yeah, I just said buku money. That's funny. Um, he, he's traveling all over the world. And God calls him to ministry, and he was an amazing preacher and an amazing teacher. And everybody's like, man, this kid's going to go far. And even right now, he's already writing books. He's already doing amazing things. He's speaking all over the country. And I remember one day I went to his house because we were just having dinner after church and hanging out. And I'm like, hey, where's Pierre? His wife was like, you got to go talk to your boy. And I'm just like, where is he? He's in the bedroom. And some of you guys have heard the story before. I go into the room, and here's this guy who was popular, who was an amazing speaker, who was uh, going through seminary, who was touted as the next big thing. He's laying in fetal position on the bed saying, I'm nobody. Why has God called me? I'm not good. I'm not as good as they say that I am. I know me. I'm broken. 
understanding God's word, getting a firm foundation in God's word will reveal the fact that we really aren't worthy to even have the least bit of this knowledge. You see, Paul, that's great. He sees himself in another text as least of the apostles. In another text, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And he's saying, it's been given to me to, uh, what do you say, the un- to, to, to take this message to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, uh, the unsearchable, untraceable. They're so fast. The riches of God's grace, God's love for you and I, God's love for humanity is so deep that it really can never be explained. We're going to go to heaven, and we're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, and we're going to be like, all right, explain your love for us. And he's going to explain it to us, and we're going to be like, we don't get it still, but we got an eternity to try to figure this thing out. I can't believe you love us that much. And then, and then this is what he says. This is, this is what he says. He says, and to bring to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things? For everyone. See, Paul was called to the Gentiles, but his message of God opening the path to kingdom citizenship for the Gentiles was meant to be heard by the entire world. Why? Because it gives me and you comfort to know that we're chosen. It gives us the understanding to know that we can't bar anybody else. That knucklehead at work, Becca, that you just can't stand? Like, why do you even work here? You walk into, you walk into work every day, you look at them, you're like, good God. Just be fired already. That person has now access to the very same God that you have. No one is barred. And this is the, this is the clincher right here, guys. So that through The church. Somebody says the church. So that through the church, not through, all right, I'm going to go there, not through legislation, not through politics, not through industry, not through education, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom, the the variety, the the veracity, the, 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 the creativity, the amazing grace of God can be shared. Point number three, through the church, the world gets to witness holy results. The holy results. Through the church, the world gets to witness the holy results of gospel-shaped grace and reconciliation. And it talks here about the angels and those in the heavenly places, and and they're curious. They want to know, too, hey, what's this plan of salvation? Because you you understand that God is the only one who's omniscient, meaning he's the only one who's all-knowing. So you got angels in heaven that are created beings that are holy and majestic and so much smarter than you and I are sitting there wondering, how is this all going to work out? As far as I know, humanity is pretty messed up. God, how do you plan on fixing all of this? How? Because I'm going to unite them. And you will see a beautiful creation once these people finally get it together. Once these people stop seeing each other as them and those and us and we and as one, then you will see the manifold wisdom of God. Even Satan and his angels, Satan's angels are looking at him like, dude, I thought you were pretty smart, but that dude, the big guy upstairs? Got your beat, bro. 
Because when those people come together, I see why you're trying to separate them all the time. I see why you want this church over here and that church over there, and I want you over here, and I want you over here, and you want this. I see that. Because when they come together, dude, you've got like no power. They learn the manifold wisdom, the beauty, and the variety of God's through the church. Through the church. Verse 11 through 13. Let's wrap it up. This was according to the eternal purpose. This this mystery was not a divine afterthought, guys. It it wasn't, uh, oh, man, the world is messed up. Oh, man, people are being divided. Man, people are uh, 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 fighting against each other. Maybe I should fix it. God knew from the beginning of time that humanity was broken, was going to be broken, and the only way to fix it was to bring them together in Jesus Christ. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This mystery It's not a pet doctrine, guys. When we say love across boundaries, we're not saying something that's catchy. And, you know, I respect every other church. Listen, I love, I love, I'm a lover of the church. I believe the church is one. But sometimes I believe that we as Christians, we leave it vague. Love people, love God. What people? Because I can love the people who are next to me. I can love my wife. I don't got to love you in that statement. I'm loving people, aren't I? Love across boundaries. That is the essence of the gospel. Jesus Christ came across the chasm of heaven and earth to unite himself to a people that did not love him, that did not want him, actually decided to kill him because of love. Because he knew that his love would eventually transcend all of their hate, all of their bigotry, all of their prejudice, and eventually would open their hearts to be able to receive the greatest love of all, that is the love of Jesus, and then to turn around and extend that to everybody else around. Listen, to deny the gospel of reconciliation, which that's what it is, if you didn't know. It is not only the gospel salvation. Salvation is reconciliation. It's saving a people who were once lost and uniting them to a God who loves them. And I know somebody here may be thinking, you know, Pastor Mutik, last the, the last time you were in this chosen thing, you talked about this race and all this type of stuff and prejudice and all. That's good and great, but can we just get back to the gospel? Can we just talk about, you know, can we just talk about, you always talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Listen, to deny the gospel of reconciliation is a sin. I have to speak about it because that's what the word talks about. 
And through him, we've got confidence. We can access God. We can come with boldness. And we have the ability to join him at work in this process of loving across boundaries. Because we know at the end of the day, it's not us who's doing anything. We're just joining him at work. We talk about that at Relevant Church, right? When God sent us, he says, behold, I am doing a new thing. He didn't say, hey, come, I'm calling you to come and do a new thing. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And by the way, you're going to get into wilderness because you have no clue where I'm going. But I will make a way in the wilderness. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to look around. And you're going to be like, is this thing even working? He's gonna, he said, I will make rivers in the desert. Don't worry about it. I'm doing it. You just walk this out. You just love across boundaries. You go out and make a tangible difference in our community, region, and world. Because by doing that, you are passionately following the Jesus that I sent to you. He says, don't lose heart. God's sovereignty will give us courage in suffering. Uh, because the one thing I think sometimes we lie to people, and we're like, hey, you become a Christian and everything, you get all hope and everything's going to be great and you're going to have joy and you're just going to have this deep sense of joy and you're just going to be happy and God is going to do some amazing things in your life. You're just going to be just gonna be great. Is that the truth about Christianity? Christianity is a call to die, to put yourself on the chopping block for God and for man. Listen to these last two quotes. He says, John Calvin says this, all whom the Lord has chosen, chosen, all whom the Lord has chosen to receive into the society of his saints ought to prepare themselves for a life that is hard, difficult, laborious, and full of countless griefs. Why? Because when you are preaching the message of love and grace, the gospel, people will begin to hate you. Your family will begin to hate you. Your co-workers will begin to hate you. Quote, from Boyce and Riken. It says, the Christian life is patterned after the life of Christ. Where is our hope? As it was for Christ, so it is for the Christian. Through suffering into glory. First humiliation, then exaltation. The cross before the crown. So there is hope. There is joy. There is satisfaction. But it's going to be through travails of lands and seas and woods and trees. I just rhymed. I didn't plan that. But it worked. It'll put us at odds with people. Point number four and point number five are right back to back. Living for the glory of Christ will put you at odds with those who want to glory in themselves. Point number five. I think I said that already. Understanding God's purposeful choice. You've been chosen. He's chosen them too. Of uniting humanity to himself and to each other is where we will find our hope and glory. Understanding God's purposeful choice experiencing the unexpected new life that we have because we're chosen. This uniting of humanity to 
himself and to each other is where we will find our hope and glory. So guess what, guys? The secret's out. The secret's out. God's church is not limited by culture, by race, by creed, by whatever distinction that you're going to try to put, that man tries to place around us. We are one in Jesus Christ. And when we start acting that way, then revival will begin to happen. When revival in our hearts begins to mend the the prejudices, the the hate, the bigotry that we have towards those people and those people and those people, when we start seeing them like, ooh, that person right there, that's my brother in Christ. Just wait. Wait till I get a hold of them. Wait till I meet them. Oh, that person at work who I can't stand, wait till they see how much love I give them. I'm going to love them to life. So here's the bottom line time for us to share the secret. It's time for us to share the secret. There's grace and hope and a seat in the kingdom of heaven for all who submit their life to Jesus Christ. In our house, at Relevant Church, we will be a house that helps people know that they belong. So when they walk in the doors, what are we going to say? Welcome. It's not a gimmick. It's who we are. Everyone can belong here. So, so will you help us share the secret? I see a few heads nodding. Will you help us share the secret, Emily? Will you help us share the secret? This is what we'll do. We'll run to everyone everyone else is running from. And we will run to those people that everyone else is running off. See, God can't use us if we're leading. Well, I'm going to go there. God can't use us. If we're leading with our cultural, economic, religious, or political leaning, the gospel is the standard. Why do you do that? Why do you love that way? Because of the gospel. Uh, Why do you treat that person that way? Shouldn't they be ostracized? No, because I should have been ostracized. But the gospel said, I am reconciled. Oh, why don't you hate those people for what they did? Because Jesus should have hated me for putting him on the cross. So I'm going to love that person in life because through his blood, he gave me new life. The gospel is a standard. It's the map. It's the secret. And the secret's out. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.